Uh, yeah, so our um, engineer, uh, Randy, over there, he's also in Atlanta. He was at your screening. Uh, yeah, yeah. That you yeah, had. I'm the one that messaged you a while ago. Yeah, yeah, what's up, man? <laughs> what's up? Nice to meet you. You too. And uh, and now here we are. He uh, That was a while ago. Randy, when was that screening? Back I look back, I think it was like April, yeah. Yeah, it was back in April. As the Atlanta Film Festival, it was one of our one of our last little screenings, and then went through a bunch of distribution stuff, and finally got a release date. That's when I was like, "Well, now that I have a release date, let's let's do some press stuff, um, you know, see if we can't promote it and all that whatnot." Uh, but that's why it took me forever to respond back to you because I was like, "I don't know when we want to do this." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm figuring it all out. Indie films, a whole thing. <laughs> totally. All right, so we'll, uh, we'll jump into it here real quickly. Uh, let's just do some quick intros because we're not great at that. Uh, sometimes we just jump straight, straight to it, man. So, so are you, are you William or you go by Will? Will uh, I, I, introduce, I introduce myself as William. Some okay. people call me Will, but you know, whatever. William. Yeah, let's go with William. <laughs> uh-huh. William it is. I am Clark and, uh, we got Russell over there. Hello. And then, uh, we're, we're going to try to force Randy, uh, to speak over there. Cause, uh, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't contribute a whole lot in the, uh, interviews. <laughs> no, as, uh, as your film says uh, i'm just the editor for the most part there we go there we go <laughs> hey that's still an important part though that True. was the whole point exactly. <laughs> uh so william you were um are you an atlanta native you always uh been there yeah yeah grew up outside of atlanta and then moved into the city and now i moved right outside of the city because i can't afford the city but yeah man georgia boy <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm originally from Mississippi, so I'm I'm trying to uh, and I've been in California for ten years, you oh, know, nice. trying trying to spread the good word of the South. Well, you understand, there um, go. and also you know trying to uh, you know, Russ is a native Californian, right? He's been here his entire life. Native the Californians are spoiled, William. They, they they've got everything at their their hands. Okay. Oh, you can surf and you can ski in the same day, bro. Cool. So you know you don't know how to fight. You don't know how to grind. Okay. Down here in the dirty south. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had to try to teach him some of that mojo. You know. There, there we go. Survive that yellow snow. They don't even get that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you eat the yellow snow? <laughs> Is that a urine joke? That's a that's a pollen joke followed up by a urine joke. <laughs> yeah, what uh, we refer to your state as is uh, flyover. That's oh, our uh, colloquial. Okay. Don't come in here with oh. your fucking Jerry I mean, Lewis. That's our uh, West Coast elite um, uh, accent right there. I mean, at least you land here because we got the airport. So it shouldn't be a full flyover. It should be a yeah. layover. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no, it's, no. It's the biggest airport yeah. in the world. Yeah. yeah. It's the layover. I'll yeah. take that. It's, <laughs> you got to take that one. I'll take Yeah, that one's on the paper. <laughs> also, for the record, I've never been surfing or skiing. So I'm not even doing California right. I, wow. I don't see you having a good time with either. <laughs> Cause I hate skiing, hate it. When you a ski guy, uh, I've been once. I enjoyed it. I thought well, it where'd fun. you go? East coast, or you go like California? No, man, no, it was North Carolina, where the snow is for the fake snow. You know, it's ice. So I went yeah. ice skiing. <laughs> it was yeah. fun, you know. <laughs> Russell, there are some places um, in that area that that pump fake snow. 
so they people can ski. That's cool. Snow. I'm down yeah. with that. Hey, got to do what you got to yeah, do. We got the hills. We might not have the weather, but you know, we can put ice on it and you can slide down it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But Randy's been out there about a year. So Randy's originally from the uh, Bay Area and he's been over there in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Now, William, am I correct? Uh, Oksana told us that you started listening to our show. Yeah. So I've only heard one so far, but I enjoyed the one. It was, oh, um, <laughs> which one was it? It was uh, the, oh, man. It was the guy, the follow, the uh, found footage guy. Oh, okay, um, William. You, you're you're going to fail the pop quiz if you keep this up. <laughs> I'm definitely going to fail the pop quiz. I'm sorry. I need to listen to more, but I enjoyed it. I was like, okay, cool, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to more of this stuff because I'm like, yeah, I like some good horror chats, whatnot, movie chats, all that stuff. All right. This interview isn't going to work if you keep lying to us. But- That's not a lie. <laughs> I, I tried to look it up on my YouTube history. <laughs> it's like, hang on. Let's no, I believe you listened. I don't believe that you liked it, but... Oh. Here's the thing. We're working on the self-esteem. We're working. On it. That, hurt. that hurts. I'm working on that. Yeah. I, I hope it's you've heard lot. enough to know that um, whenever we we interview people, Randy usually just turns off his camera and hangs out. And normally he gets mad when we go past an hour because again he's on the East Coast time. Thank you, Randy. We appreciate you. But if you've heard a regular like Tuesday episode, you'd know that it's very rare that Randy brings to the table a horror film let alone like a local one that he was really into and actually went up and talked to the talent at the screening. So I don't believe I talked to anybody. That's a lie. Oh, yeah. I thought you went up. Oh, okay. you reached out no. after. Hey, yeah, hey, I, I just Randy on the digital realm. <laughs> hey, Randy, we're storytellers. So if we want to layer in some hyperbole, you fucking let us. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we were shocked <laughs> I enjoyed when that. Randy was like, "Hey, would you guys want to talk to a uh, a dude who made a movie about a like podcast that gets a hundred uh, listens and is stoked about it?" And I was, my first instinct was, "No, it's too close to home." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, um, first, congratulations, Randy. Uh, your taste is impeccable, and uh, William, man, you fucking did it, dude. I didn't hey, know. Thanks, what, man. <laughs> I didn't know what Randy was bringing to us. Uh, he's normally a highbrow foreign film kind of dude. So when oh. he brought a comedy <laughs> horror, I almost thought he was like tricking us. <laughs> borderline lowbrow comedy horror too. <laughs> yeah, Randy can do a little comedy horror. Randy's a comedy guy. He can, but I think the reason he liked the murder podcast so much is there's a uh, there's a style to the way that you shot this movie. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting into it because yeah. man I I'm not sure how much money you put into this movie, but it looks like it was a lot. And talking about it, I don't know. Well, yeah. Can you tell us about I don't know where you want to start? How much money you spent, William? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, it was it was not a lot. It was not much at all. We shot on like my camera. Uh, a bunch of those actors are people who I'd worked with before. What kind um, of camera? What kind of camera? Because it looked great. It's the Urso Mini G2. It's like a little $6,000 camera. Okay. Um, I had a really good DP. So one of my, it's like, well, you build it out and it costs a little bit more than that. Um, but I had a really good DP. My buddy, um, his name is Alex Allgood. We've been friends since like, uh, I don't know, seven years now, something like that. Um, and he, when we met, he was just a gaffer and I was just like an AC hanging out on set. 
Um, and then he's progressively blown up and become the most successful person ever. Uh, oh. But luckily, we're still friends. So I get to be like, hey, Alex, come hang out. He shot both of the shorts that I did uh, before this movie. Um, and then he shot the movie too. But I mean, he literally, he shoots like stuff for Google and he shot a TNT show and like all sorts of stuff. And I'm just like, Hey, I'm so glad we're still friends. And like, you want to work on my little indie movie. But uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons that movie looks amazing. We also had a great like G and E crew. Um, and we shot it during COVID. So we got a ton of stuff for free. Um, and a lot of people weren't working. So they were down to work for way less than normal. Um, so, I mean, really the movie, it, under normal circumstances would have cost a whole lot more than it actually did. Um, but it's it's cheap. It's micro budget. That's for sure. <laughs> Capitalize, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I hate to inform you, but you're not going to get a pass for a low budget. A lot of the time when we talk to indie filmmakers, there's like, well, okay, we're horror enthusiasts. So whenever we deal with horror films, you can usually gauge how much money was spent on the movie. And it's kind of subconscious. You give a pass to movies who don't have a lot of money. Mm. I don't think you're going to get that. I'm, yeah. and I, that's a compliment, <laughs> dude. You're Thank you. yeah. It looks fantastic. That was our goal. I mean, we uh, we didn't want anyone to know that we shot it on like an Ursa. We wanted to think, you know, we shot it on Alexa. We wanted everything to look like it was very expensive. Um, and so, you know, we we tried our best, but I mean, you know, it, it, it wasn't. We just, I, I have a lot of really talented friends that I was able to be like, hey, come on, come, come hang out with me for two weeks. Let's go, let's go shoot some stuff in the woods, you know? Um, but I mean, really, if you want to get into it, the other thing is too, though, you know, I've been working in the industry for since like 2014. So it's, while we didn't spend that much money on it, I've been building up those favors for the past, like, you know, eight years or whatever. Sure. Um, to where I was like, Hey, you remember all those things we shot together? Can I borrow your grip truck? <laughs> you know, like, you know <laughs> stuff like that. And they're like, sure. <laughs> so, in. Yeah, it's a, it's a long investment for a short little or small budget. <laughs> the long con, this country was built on the long con. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta do it that way. All right. Now, what, what is your background? Do you come from comedy or film? And I, that's a, that's a compliment too, because you, I can imagine you doing stand up. I do not do stand up. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I, every time I've tried to write something that's not funny, it ends up being funny. I just can't help but not throw <laughs> jokes in there. <laughs> so, you know. do, you um, think, do you think anybody who was, you know, uh, and, and you know, uh, uh, William very charismatic, but oh, yeah. any, anyone who is mildly charismatic, you're on this kick. I think they should do stand up. You I think do. everyone should do stand up now? <laughs> yeah. You want to do stand up? I don't. Is that just to annoy me? I don't. Is that what do that is? So Clark used to do stand up. If you can't tell, okay, but there we go. <laughs> unlike, unlike Clark, I think William is very charming. He's got a very open personality, and I watched the movie that he, which wrote. is not good for stand up. <laughs> I think it's good for stand-up, maybe not the stand-up comedian. It might turn Confirmed. them dark and yeah, they might implode. But man, <laughs> don't uh, destroy the process, Dave. So I I am a I don't know if this is the the right term, but diet in the wool horror fan. And you know what I fucking hate, William? Horror cop. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, the problem is that, you know, both genres in they require a like deep understanding of that one particular genre. And then when you mix them together, man, you could nail one element and fail on the other and it tanks the movie. It mm -hmm. becomes unwatchable. And dude, you walk that tightrope 
And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, are you more of a comedy or a horror fan? Uh, you know, I really like both. I think I used to 100% was way more comedy. Um, but I think honestly, comedy movies, they don't really make as many comedy movies anymore. Like they used to, it's more like every comedy is mixed with something else now. Um, and I, but I didn't get, I mean, I always liked horror. I liked how you'd sit down with a bunch of people, watch a horror movie and it was fun. It was like fun to be scared sort of thing. Uh, but I didn't really seek them out. I definitely didn't watch them by myself for a long time up until I like a year before I started writing that movie where I got more into them. Um, and then my wife and I were watching them a bunch and now I love horror movies. I'm so pumped. It's, you know, October's coming up. I got my little list on letterbox of all the stuff I'm going to start watching. (laughs) What's your Um, name on letterbox? Uh, you know, I think it's Willie beats, which was my old DJ (laughs) name back in college. (laughs) Hell yeah. You know what though? You probably, you're going to, you're going to follow me and be like, I don't understand. You gave that five stars. I rate based off of how much fun I had watching it. Yeah. Not how like good I think oh. the whatever movie is, but I'm like, so for example, Shang Chi, I think is great uh, because I had a lot of fun watching it. But I, my cousin came up to me, he was like, "Dude, you gave that movie five stars." I was like, "I had so much fun in the theater, I don't care." I was like, "I know it's a stupid Marvel movie, but you know, whatever." But uh, yeah, so don't don't judge me on Letterbox. <laughs> um, I'm waiting for Clark to jump in here. No, because okay, now don't we'll, do William, your rating. Don't if you <laughs> we have little time okay, today. I'll be quick. Uh, they they bully me because I review films the exact same way you do. Okay, there we go. <laughs> that is such preposterous bullshit. They think I'm doing it wrong because Clark has a little gavel that he thinks makes him the god of cinema. Incorrect. And, yeah, and he's just like this movie had poor lighting, one star. Where I'm over Incorrect. here, I'm like, dude, Veronica, have you ever watched that? No. <laughs> that sounds okay. like I should, though. So, Veronica <laughs> was made by Glenn Danzig. It is his first movie. And if you want if you want a comedy horror, <laughs> no, write that down. I, Dude, William, you're going to love that. <laughs> but no, I'll write if, it down right now. Now, if you do end up listening to the show more, you'll see they often berate me. I think the worst rating you can give a movie is three. Because it's boring and forgettable. Or sometimes, you know, studio films are guilty of just being watchable. Mm. And then you're done. And it's like it makes no impact on you. The minute the movie, the, the credits roll and you're like, what am I going to eat? I think that is the, that's the death sigh of a movie. So we're on hey, the same page. Yeah, no, I just, that's not There's bad. a one and a half then. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that so is, I hated it. Yeah, it's like, no. that was awful. <laughs> no, three, a three is like, it's fine. Okay, William, a, a one for me, if somebody brings up a movie that's a one, I get energized and angry. So, <laughs> I don't know. What, what's a one for you? Oh, man. You're going to hate me. Uh, I, well, the first thing that popped in my head was Boyhood. I have beef with that movie. Oh, dude, oh, I love you. you. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. Man, so I, I've, been, I've gotten in so many like film arguments about this, but to me, okay. One, Let's go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah one. Uh, oh, God. Too long. Too people long. are going to be like, I'm never watching his movie. <laughs> one, I feel like, you know, it is cool that they shot it over 12 years. Like, that's cool. But also... I mean, they shot Harry Potter over like 12 years. It's just not all one movie, but the kids grow up. Uh, and then two, yeah. I really didn't like the kid that he turned into. I was like, he's such a little emo, like, oh, my life's so hard. I'm 16. And you're like, dude, you're 16. <laughs> so I had a hard time watching it because I got they mad tried, at the kid. <laughs> he tried to act for a little while after that. 
Did he? I mean, I, I, I didn't really have any issues with his acting. It was just the character he became. I was like, man, I watched it. Didn't grow up to be a douche. But I think, yeah, like, <laughs> I think the character was just him. Well, maybe. <laughs> no, yeah, I feel bad. That's what I Because <laughs> you don't know like yeah. what's going to happen. You know, yeah, that six-year-old you cast. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, now I feel bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's not a douche. He just was a little pretentious for my taste. <laughs> I get it. No, 100%. Yeah, please do not walk that back. The only one who might be upset is Randy. He's like, I should have never recommended this fucking <laughs> Okay, but so that to me is a one star. When you like get, when your blood starts boiling and like you get, your face gets hot, that's one star. <laughs> Dude, that's the best one star I've ever heard. And I'm definitely going to follow you if these are the hot takes you got on there. Randy, <laughs> oh, Randy, what's, Randy what's your one star? Uh, I don't know. I can't come up with one off the top of my head. I'm, I'm one of those people that rates a lot of things in the middle, which Russell hates. <laughs> well, you're all about balance, Randy. If anything. <laughs> Always. I don't I know. Have I'll, had, I'll come up with one. I've had to accept that people rate like three as a, as a good movie because our movie is like a 3.2, I think. And I'm like, well, that means a lot of people like it because a lot of people don't rate like I do. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you should think about it this way. If you've made a horror, if you've made a film and it gets three, you're you're right. That's that's not bad. If you made a horror movie and it gets three, that's incredible. Because remember, this is the genre where people can punch down freely. They'll just shit all like they're ruthless. So if you made a bad horror film, they won't hold back. Like you'll know, you'll know. All I'm saying (laughs) is that is a preposterous notion to think <laughs> that a three-star movie is worse than a one-star movie. I All I'm saying is that sometimes there is nothing wrong with a glass of lukewarm water. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. All right, what would you rate uh, the murder podcast? A three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> or a glass of warm water. That's it. <laughs> All right, well, William, we got to get into this. Um, fuck, man, you made a movie that, <laughs> you know, I joked earlier about being a little close to home with the podcast thing, but there are moments in that where there were jokes, and I'm like, I know I, it's funny, but I just couldn't bring myself to laugh. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, so um, you've got characters who are doing a show about ramen, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, that's funny on its own. Because, I mean, ramen has a bad rap for, you know, being bad for your health, not just for salt content, but because of cancer and all these, like the way it's packaged, it's not very glamorous. Yet I instantly thought of our friend who does a podcast about seltzer water. And I was (laughs) like, oh, (laughs) did that come up in your head at all? Okay, but it it checks out, right? Uh, Shout out to the seltzer cast. Uh, Continue having us on because we love you. And SPOB. You know, at the end, of, well, here's here's the thing about your film is you always want to root for the underdog. So dudes doing a ramen show, easy, easy protagonist. Yet you have kind of a Chris Hardwick character helming it. And he's convinced. Whoa. That, hey, the, <laughs> Chris Hardwick. No, no. The name is a direct reference, right? Uh, you know, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> you don't know Chris Hardwick? What? No, who's the, who's Chris Hardwick? I mean, I, maybe I know his face. 
He's uh, he was a stand-up comedian. He used to have the Nerdist podcast. They changed their name to something. I oh, don't I've heard of that podcast. Yeah, and uh, he uh, the, the Talking Dead would come on after yeah. the Walking Dead and Talking oh, yeah. Small and Talking Bad. Wait, I'm I'm really the only one that thought that. Randy, help I, me out here. Yeah, I didn't take that. No. Oh I yeah, I recognize this guy. <laughs> I yeah. totally thought the character named Chad Thadwick was a Chris Hardwick. Oh, dang. Right. Okay. I mean, well, here's the hey. thing. So, okay. I make that comparison because, you know, you want to root for like the ramen guy. You're like, dude, you're doing what you love. Yet in the beginning of the movie, the, the reason the movie starts is because uh, doubt. And clearly what you want is like um, attention and like people to listen to you. So when you're willing to change into, oh my God. And this is a real joke. William, I don't know how into podcasts you are, but I've talked to so many other people that do like a little show. And the joke is always, we should just do true crime. <laughs> like, like people listen to that. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. It, and it's like, you know, uh, Chad Thadwick is like, let's abandon ramen and move into true crime. And not only that, but it's kind of like S town, small local, but we're like the smart techie kind of people. Mm. While packaged within a buddy comedy. And a stoner buddy comedy. Yeah, the, the comedy, the levity added is so crucial because you couldn't authentically root for that guy, right? Because I—that's why I didn't the 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 Chris Hardwick thing. Good, again, the right. logic's there. I follow the dots. <laughs> what I see there. The entire time I was watching that, I was thinking this is Cheech and Chong for white folks, mm. <laughs> and I was on board for it. Oh. Yeah, I'll take that too. Yeah. Oh. So I was like, "Oh, they're they're ba- they're it's the perfect balance, but the comedy duo, and you've got the Cheech character, and you've got the Tommy Chong, and that's what they're doing." Yeah, that, it, that was the the classic dynamic. I liked it. William, your thoughts? <laughs> Heck yeah, man! <laughs> I'll take all of it. Um, you know, it's funny, and I, I won't name any names, but uh, no, well, one, I have a bunch of friends who I've done podcast with and we've done a lot of really small podcasts where it's just like you know literally you're like hey we've been doing this for 12 weeks you know we have 18 views you know or 18 plays or whatever um so i've been on a lot of those they're really fun to record um but you know that's why i was like okay i know that world and then i also know a guy who uh, or know of a guy i've actually met him now i didn't know him at the time uh but who transitioned from film stuff to full on true crime podcast and blew oh, up like <laughs> massively. And we were all like, Oh man. I mean, he was in the, you know, in the first round of people to do it, but we were all like, wow, he like hit that trend. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I was and like, that's how sword and scale started. But I was just like, wow. Okay. That's an interesting idea. We do all these podcasts, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nothing's happening. And then the murder podcast. <laughs> William, what are your thoughts on true crime? So I'm not the biggest fan. My wife loves it. Like yeah, she's a lady. It. Yeah, because yeah, she's a lady. She listens to all of them, watches all of it, all that stuff. Um, I'll get sucked in every now and then. Um, but honestly, for me, every single one of them is too damn slow. Like, like they're like, this guy killed somebody, but we're not going to tell you until you listen to us for 10 hours. And I'm like, I don't want to find out in 10 hours. Tell me now. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, Making a Murderer, I thought, was uh, one of a very frustrating show because I was into it for like two episodes. And then I was like, I just got a Wikipedia this. Like, I don't, I don't care this much. Like, <laughs> it's just so slow. Every shot's a shot of a cornfield and a guy talking on the phone saying the same thing he said 10 minutes ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my wife loves them. So I know all of them. <laughs> Yeah, I just think they're they're the they're at the forefront of the binge watching culture, and I think that they were they were the start, right? Mm-hmm. That was the that was the uh, spark. I remember yeah. when Making a Murderer came out. That was and enormous. It, it felt like it, yeah. yeah. And then you know Tiger King, but at the and then they tried to work on a fucking murder in a Tiger King. <laughs> it ended up being a murder. I was gonna say that's not really true. That was murder. It's way too interesting. And to self murder, we call that suicide. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, tr- yeah, true crime is weird. And sword it and sucks. scale. The the joke Clark made earlier is really the only show I ever tried to get into. And they had an episode where they didn't want to read the police report of this couple who had been murdering babies, so they had a computer voice do it. And I'm like, okay, the content is so lowbrow that it's pretty, sho- it's like shocking territory. But on mm-hmm. top of it, it's not even a human. I'm listening to like Siri read a police report to me about babies <laughs> right. in the freezer. And it's like, what am I doing? Yeah, but my this mom is loves- terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. Everyone feels bad. <laughs> All right, so, okay, well, away from the podcast element, what, what kind of film references are we using? Because I felt a little bit of like Sam Raimi in here and John Carpenter. So I'm I'm curious what kind of a what was the attack plan here? Um, you mean like what what movies inspired me while we yeah, while we were? Did, did you have like a look you were going for? Yeah, what's what set the palette? Well, so I mean, one I, I always I love Hot Fuzz. I think that movie looks great, okay. and I love Lord of the Rings, and I think that movie looks great, The Fellowship of the Ring. So we kind of like built that together, and then we went for. <laughs> Sounds so stupid. We were like, let's make it look the most movie it can look because we knew it was going to be cheap. Let's make it look like a movie. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like literally the, all the stuff at night in the woods, you know, we were, we were just referencing Lord of the Rings. And if you look at Lord of the Rings, every shot is backlit for no reason. The moon just moves around, but you're like, let's do that. It looks great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm making filmmaking sound so simple. It's a lot more complicated than that, but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were, well, let's see, what were we referencing? I had some references from Harry Potter in there. I had some references from Lord of the Rings, Hot Fuzz, um, literally any Edgar Wright or Bill Pope movie that, you know, Bill Pope shot. Um, Did you have any good movies in there? <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> you don't like Lord of the Rings? No. What? He, he hates no. his. I do like Rim Cycle Sleep. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> oh. William, I'm there with you. I'm a big fantasy fan. He hates them. His idea of a good fantasy movie is Entourage of the Film. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. I can't believe you don't like Lord of the Rings. At least the, <laughs> what? Like the first no. one? <laughs> no, dude. I, 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 I can't do that. Can't do Game of Thrones. Can't do Harry Potts. Oh, man. I'm not across the board, man. Oh, man. But you like horror stuff. All right. Sure. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, but dude, you know, like, Lord of the Rings is awful. Like, can't be horror stuff. So many no. of those shots, PJ's I'm just like, no, like the Hobbit. 
<laughs> that's why. No, no, the Hobbit's terrible. Don't don't say anything about the Hobbit movies. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm shaped like a Hobbit. I have a Hobbit DNA. <laughs> Too close to Dude, home. Randy, I love this guy. You got to find more filmmakers and bring them in. He he's over here <laughs> talking about Lord of the Rings and hating the Hobbit. Dude, <laughs> William, you're my kind of dude. I gotta, oh, yeah. I gotta watch some movies later. <laughs> dude, we should watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. What else? Uh, Clark, I'm just looking at Clark. He is so dumbfounded right now. He used to have a bit about how he hated any movie that said what realm. How did it go? You're like, I hate anybody who. Oh well, we gotta go in. Yeah, no, that's Randy. Randy's the realm guy. Yeah, I think previously I have said that I don't fuck with realms. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, Randy, let's let's uh, put the spotlight on you then. What sure. stood out about this film? Because again, I don't think Randy's ever come. No, that's not true. It's happened. What with Uncle Peckerhead? And oh, is that yeah. it? I think one other film. That what? Maybe, that Randy yeah. recommended. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what about this movie stood out to you? Um, I. I well, I saw it with a very lively crowd at Dad's Garage, where the Atlanta Film Festival screening was. It was like, it was also very conveniently two blocks from where I was living at the time. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just, I just loved the experience. It was very fun. Uh, I'm sure you had a lot of friends there too, but it seemed like everyone in the crowd was just having a really good time. And yeah, just the the tone of it and the satire on podcasting, you could tell that you knew what you were speaking about. And uh, yeah, I don't know, just a lot of the jokes in it were good. And a lot of like the, uh, the moments to the characters that seem like they're going to be very like special or like emotional beats. They always like get cut off early by like some other sort of joke, but yeah. And then the, the horror stuff is really good too. And yeah, like I said, or like they've said, it looks, it looks great. It looks like a movie for sure. So yeah. Yeah. That that really could have missed the mark, William. Like trying to emulate these big studio films. Like mm-hmm. if you didn't execute that authentically, I think it would have felt too like uh, winky, like too much like um, self aware. But yet, dude, no, it feels like yeah, you could have done with a uh, a Michael Bay lens flare. <laughs> we could have done one of those. No, you know, we, we probably would have shot it anamorphic too if we could have afforded that. So you never know. <laughs> For the second one, <laughs> there we go. Murder podcast too, which we do have a really stupid idea that we're not going to make. But uh, if for some reason this makes cajillions of dollars, you know the guys, uh, the guys team up with Burn Nightly, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so, so how did uh, how did you get your cast together? How did uh, you assemble the team? So Andrew, the lead, um, the two of us have worked together at a news station back in the day. Um, and we've shot some shorts together. Local news, local news man. Oh, I love <laughs> local news. It's my uh, favorite thing. Oh yeah. We, I, yeah, we, we did a lot of that actually. Uh, was we that just like in Atlanta or like small town, Georgia stuff. It was in Atlanta. It was okay. uh, WSB TV, which is like the biggest news station in Atlanta for like 50, 50 years. So, I mean, it's, Big for local news, but it's still, still local news. Um, Major market. Yeah, but we met there. Uh, we shot. We actually shot the local commercials there. Um, and through that relationship, I mean, we, we shot some short films, and he directed a thing that I shot for him. Um, and then we did, basically, I'd rented the Ursa for a shoot that I had coming up, and I wanted to test it out. Um, so, you know, instead of just doing a basic camera test, I decided that I was going to write a really silly thing about this drunk guy trying to cook ramen noodles. Uh, and so I was like, well, we'll just name him Chad Thabak. It'll be great. 
And we shot this little short and it's, dude, it's hilarious. I still love it. Uh, it's called Boozy Snacks. And that was like kind of the inspiration for, you know, Chad Dabwick. When I was writing the feature, I was like, well, I need a placeholder name. And I was like, Chad Dabwick. And I was like, well, what should they be podcasting about? Ramen noodles. Boom. Characters born. <laughs> and then the other Cooper, um, the two of us met, we had, Andrew and I had gone to go watch a play that one of our friends was directing. Cooper was in it. Then Andrew had written a short that we were shooting. And I suggested, I was like, oh, we should get Cooper. He was really good in that play. Um, and then when I was writing the movie, I was thinking of the two of them because I had just worked with them on a short. And they were great together. Um, and then Levi, who plays one of the officers, I met him uh, through a bunch of shorts that I'd shot. And I thought he was great. So I was writing that role for him. Um, Luke Williams, who was our producer, but also played the younger cop. Um, he, I mean, well, we, we've just been friends for forever. Uh, and he used to be like fully into acting and had an agent, and all that stuff, but went more producer director route. Um, but when we were doing this and we were thinking of characters, he was like, well, I could probably do that. And I'm like, you probably could do that. And then he became the most cop cop ever. <laughs> he like grew, you know, perfect mustache, did the flat top. We were shooting um, one of the days and like the UP, the Amazon guy drove up and Luke walked out there in his cop uniform and the guy got all nervous and he's like, what's going on, sir? What are you doing here? And so like, he's just the, the ultimate most cop ever. Um, and then pretty much everyone, I mean, we met through just, I mean, either stuff I'd worked on in the past or, you know, someone had worked with someone else. Um, Brian, who played Steven, for example, he had seen one of the shorts that I had done um, and I had seen some of the stuff that he'd done. So I followed him on Twitter. Uh, he randomly just reached out and was like, Oh, you're the dude who did Hector Felix. I love that thing. And I was like, cool, I'm doing a movie. You want to audition? He was like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, just built it a bunch of, bunch of Atlanta locals who are all super talented and people who are making things. So. Wow. It's incredible that that was all like local talent you had known. It definitely felt like you had, uh, a lot of people to pick from. Everybody felt perfect for their role. Um, and I mean, like, look and feel. Hey, who who opened the film? Who's the Drew Barrymore of your movie? All right. That's my buddy, Muhammad. Muhammad T. Joma. Um, and he actually was a stand-up comedian. So, so oh, there, there's, your, there's your little <laughs> reference. Well, he, looks, he looks exactly like a thinner version of Stavros Haukius. <laughs> look him up. Yeah. Type, in, type in Stavros Halkius, traditional spelling. Yeah, <laughs> good for that. Now, I know it sounds like Clark just said something in Latin, but uh, you're, you're totally correct. He's a Greek comedian from Is Baltimore. He? Yeah. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yep. <laughs> right on. Yeah. No, dude, that was crazy when I saw that. Uh, you know, you can normally guess the caliber of a horror film by its opening kill, and. Uh, Man, he fucking stole the show. I was kind of bummed when he was like gone. Like, I'm glad we still had that great uh, family photo of him. But right. <laughs> yeah, Dude, such a good character. He picked a oh, good man. Lee, <laughs> J- Jake Daniels, classic <laughs> little name too. <laughs> oh yeah, no. So Muhammad, we uh, just honestly one of my really good friends and. You know, I remember, so I actually picked him up on the day that we were shooting that scene. So we shot the wood stuff that af- afternoon and we shot the stuff where he gets killed inside the house that evening. Um, and I picked him up on the way to set and I hadn't seen him in yeah, probably been three months, something because of COVID, all that sort of stuff. 
Um, but he was like, dude, this is so cool. You're making a feature. And I'm like, I'm glad we all get to have our own little roles in it. Cause you know, I had shot stuff with all these people before. And he was like, I'm just so glad we get to have a role. Dude, he fantastic. Muhammad's great. <laughs> now you keep saying it's a COVID film. And uh, for some reason, it's just not landing with me. But my God, we've watched so many lockdown movies. This did not have the feel of a lockdown no. film. It now is that just because uh, the state you're from is lawless and nobody cares, or I don't know. Did you have a lot of problems and you just navigated them? Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let me think. Maybe a little bit of both. I mean, so it was <laughs> it was August 2020, so it was still. I mean, it was still pretty pretty oh, strict. Yeah. The thing is, though, we were all working again. And we're like, well, if we're working, yep. we might as well shoot something cool as opposed to, you know, dying on a home furniture commercial. So, you know, we, we did, we did had, um, we took two, we two COVID compliance officers on set who had to take classes with the Georgia Film Academy. Um, we had masks for everyone. You did temperature checks in the morning, all that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, um, my mom actually catered the movie, which was awesome. Um, but she cooked individual packaged meals for everyone. And people have also said that like the food was the best they've ever had on set, which I was like, go Bob, you killed it. Um, but so we, uh, I mean, we did, we did the whole thing. We had temperature checks and all that stuff. People had to sign COVID waivers. You know, we made sure that if I was like, if you don't feel comfortable or if something gets weird, you know, just let me know and we'll, we'll cancel the thing. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a full COVID movie, but you know, we, we were shooting in houses. The only thing that wasn't, in a house was um, the stuff at the police station. And that was in, so <laughs> we all, I always got kicked out of uh, this, the shoot that day. Um, the, so oh, Andrew wow. worked for a radio station that had an office that just wasn't being used. It was just being used for storage. And he was like, yeah, I approved it with them. It's cool. Let's go shoot there. And we're like, okay, sweet. Didn't approve it with them. Uh, and so we're just like shooting, <laughs> shooting in that building. And I never found out this proves I had good producers because I never knew. Um, but apparently like a security guard came up and they were having to talk about stuff and they were like, yeah, yeah we're going to leave. We're going to leave. Just, you know, and I didn't know any of this was happening. I shot the full day. Like everything was going great. And then afterwards they were like, yeah, we almost just got kicked out like three times. And I was like, Oh, you guys are great producers. I didn't know. Like all right. Well, I'm getting mixed messages from you. You had two COVID compliance officers on set, but not a permit to shoot in this building. <laughs> I feel wow. like it's like a union. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the COVID compliance, I mean, I guess, well, one of, one of them was my wife who came and left, um, but it was just a test. It was a, yeah, but she, yeah. it was a quiz. You had to take a, the Georgia film Academy made a thing, which was just like a teach you how to be the COVID compliance officer. It's the same thing oh. I think they use for union movies, but you just took this test and then you were certified. So it wasn't um, like a union role. It was just like, a, we have a certified COVID compliance officer. Um, okay, but I've been good. on union sets since then, and uh, we were not as crazy as that. We weren't doing tests every day or anything like that. Um, oh, dude. We were doing temperature checks. <laughs> I've, I've heard nothing but nightmare stories about the hoops on flame. <laughs> Hoops on flame. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Hoops on flame. Duran Duran. <laughs> like, like the kind of obstacles they would make you jump through to do the COVID compliance. And um, I mean, we've, we've been doing the show for a long time and we've made friends out there. I've had dudes 
call me and just be like, man, this fucking sucks. They make everybody Uber to set individually, but they don't even take into account that the Uber driver is like a stranger that hasn't been tested. Then when we get there, they have to be a part, except they put us all in a trailer and it's just like, it's all contradictory. So yeah, I don't know. I, I was, I'm actually kind of shocked. You shot in all houses. I was pretty convinced that, um, you had the run of the mill of all the buildings that were shut down. Cause it really feels like you're all over a little town. No, I mean, so the, uh, Chad's house is, uh, our producer Matt's house. Um, and he has the basement as well. That's all in his house. Um, and then let me think what else is there. There was a gas station, which that was an actual gas station, but we just <laughs> shot outside of it, which was so awesome too. Cause we asked those guys were like, Hey, can we shoot here? And they were like, sure. And then, then the guy who owned the place was just standing outside and he kept laughing at every joke. And we had to be like, Shh, you know, like, Hey, keep it down. We're rolling. He's like, oh, this is hilarious. And I'm like, Dude, you're, I was like, I'm glad you like it. But, uh, Shh. Yeah, it's like, so, um, but let's see, we had the gas station, we had the police station. Those were the two real locations. Um, the woods and Jake's house, that was all at our producers, Luke's grandparents' house. Um, so they own a lot of land and then we kind of purpose that house into two different things. Um, and what else was there? Is that it? I can't be it. There's, there's six locations. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Well, um, I think, I think it was at the gas station where another one of my favorite characters appeared. Now you kind of nailed the trope of the old guy giving the death curse warning that kind of grew out of Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. And that Dude, you got these little parts that are just like, they're so fantastic. The dude who I, wait, this film's not out yet, huh? It's, when does the murder podcast no, That's what we're doing. We're promoting the film. At the end of the month, right? <laughs> yes, it comes out October 26th. Okay, I because I, I want to get more into that character, but I don't want to give anything away. I uh, Congratulations. You're talking about the brother-in-law? I loved him. No, no, the walk-on guy who knew yeah. the lore. Oh, the, yeah. the local drunk. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something about him that's actually really funny. It doesn't spoil anything. So he auditioned um, for one of my other friends' shorts. They didn't end up using him for that, but they sent him over to me when I was looking for people. Um, and so I had him read for the part. And when he first read it, he read it way too scared and like sad. Um, and I was instantly just like, I was like, oh no, I don't think this is our guy. Um, but Andrew was like, he's like, no man, I think he's got it. You should have him do it again. Like, just give him some direction this time, and like have him do it again. I was like, okay, okay. So I gave him direction and my direction was, I was like, hey, you've seen parts of the Caribbean? Do it like Captain Barbosa. And he goes, okay. And like <laughs> nailed it. And I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like pretend you're drunk and you're Captain Barbosa. Perfect. <laughs> I have no idea who Captain Barbosa is. Johnny Depp. No, 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 not Johnny Depp. Uh, <laughs> Captain Barbosa is the... Uh, <laughs> He's the, he, oh my gosh, you guys, you don't know parts of the character. Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, there you go. Boom. No, I've got him. William, you can, you can trust me though. I just got done playing a tabletop game over the weekend where uh, Jack Sparrow ended up dying. Okay. He was, he was a casualty. So I am deep in nerd culture and I, <laughs> yeah, I, it never occurred to me that you probably hadn't seen Pirates of the Caribbean. What are you talking about? I have seen Pirates of the Caribbean many times. Yeah. I had it on DVD, got it for Christmas in like 2008. Yeah. Yeah. too, dude. Joffrey Rush is the main bad guy. Yeah, he's great. Pirate bad. Yeah, he's the main pirate bad guy from the first one. <laughs> he's oh. always the bad guy. He's Australian. All right. Is he Australian? Yeah. Oh, he's I, Australian. Know that. I thought he was English. He's great. 
Well, no. they're, they're they're Southern English. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, William, now we're in the uh, part of the show where we ask the hard hitting questions, <laughs> and I need to know what is your relationship with Alex Jones? <laughs> no, you don't even Dude, this is so funny. Your film, you hit on all these things that I love. Um, <laughs> Where did you and, get the Alex Jones Well, thing? because uh, Chad Thadwick's dad is a conspiracy theorist who is a radio Oh, host. is Alex Jones, he's the Sandy Hook guy? The, yeah, 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 there you yeah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what the hell? It, I, it's funny because there's like this Venn diagram of shit I like. And your film kind of ends up right in the middle. And then as I explore all the outer circles, it's just like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> Yet you've nailed it. What the hell is going on here? Like, I just what? make stuff I like. <laughs> Dude, it's fantastic. So, okay, now your short films, how can I watch those? Uh, let's see. You can go to my Vimeo, or actually you can go to my website. You can go to williambagley.com. Um, you can find there's Hector Felix on there. There's Boozy Snacks. Um, there's one that we did called Post Fontaine that we never finished, but it's half of it's on there. Yeah, what's Post Fontaine? Because uh, I like that name a lot. All right, Post Fontaine. That Russell, that Russell has no idea what that's a reference to because he doesn't. Post know who Fontaine Pre-Fontaine. is a cross country movie, uh, but it's not Pre Fontaine. It's Post Fontaine. So I don't know if you know who Pre Fontaine mm-hmm. is, but he's a big runner. <laughs> um, that movie, that short, you. actually was a shit show. Um, it, what, we, what we cut together turned out great, but actually that, because we made that, that's the only reason I knew how to write an ultra low budget movie. Um, Cause with that short, I had so many ideas and so many things that we were going to do that were going to be huge. I mean, I had an end with a cross country race that was going to have like a hundred spectators and actual people running. We shot the whole thing on 35 millimeter film, which was stupid and expensive. Oh. And like, I mean, I did all this stuff and then we couldn't finish it cause I ran out of money. And like all this other stuff happened and I was like, man, I, uh, I should probably like, you know, know how to do the things I'm going to do before I write them in a script. And so that's how we made this movie. I was like, I at least can figure out how to do everything that's on the screen. I was like, we can at least figure it out. If we can't do it the right way, we can fake it and make it look good. Um, but so are you going to, are you going to finish post Fontaine? I don't know if I ever randomly, you know, just be like, Hey, that script I wrote like seven years ago, let's do it. <laughs> it's like, pro- probably not. It's a 20 minute short. I mean, I don't know if, if for some reason somebody sees it, wants to, wants me to, to fund it or wants to fund it. Yeah, I'll make it. <laughs> um, all right. So William, do you have any more of your hard hitting questions? No. no. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> How how long did you you uh, battle the storm with uh, the uh, festival circuit? So we did actually. Well, what's funny is I wasn't gonna do festivals originally, um, and I'm really glad I did. But originally, I was like, we're going straight to self distribution. Like that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna put this movie out there because I kind of made up my mind that I thought that most of the people who were gonna like this movie weren't gonna be at festivals anyways. Um, okay. I think that actually ended up being wrong because I think they're just the right kind of festivals. This is the perfect movie for them. Yeah, um, festivals are growing, man, and yeah. uh, I, I think COVID has a big part of that. Um, you know, a lot of virtual festivals. I mean, I'm probably going to do you know uh, Fantastic Fest here in a couple of days. So hey, it's yeah, just uh, it's wild, man. It's really. Well, and I also at the time didn't even know that there were like genre festivals, uh, which you know this is this is a perfect like midnight genre festival movie. 
Sure. Be like, yeah, it's like the last one they put on when they're like, hey, everybody's kind of drunk. They're going to like this. And yeah, usually they do. Um, But my friend, my friend who was in the movie, Brian, um, who plays the brother-in-law, he uh, had done his film. He'd done a feature the year before. And he convinced me. He was like, dude, you got to do festivals. Like, do festivals. And I was like, all right. So we did, we did it for, I mean, it was a year. It was a year long process. Um, We didn't play in as many as I thought we would. We played in a lot more of the like, uh, stuff like Atlanta, Nashville, Rome, you know, like that kind of like, I don't know what tier that is in the festivals tier, but like mid tier, not the ones that are the huge ones, not fantastic fest or beyond fest or any of those. Yeah. Um, but I, I was still really happy with it. I met a lot of really cool people. Um, it definitely, I mean, grew my network significantly. Um, so film festivals, it was, it was great. It was a learning experience. Um, and then distribution has been a whole nother learning experience. And, uh, the next movie I make, I'm going to be like, Hey, I kind of know more stuff now. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think that, you know, I, I think you're right to be wary of the festival circuit to a certain extent. You know, there are certainly, um, you know, submission farms that, uh, you got to be careful of. And, you know, people are running scams all over the place. And, you know, uh, some, and some are just, you know, a fucking train wreck. Uh, but there are a, a select few. And I think, there are a lot of good genre festivals uh, here in this country, and I, I think that um, you know we've we've gotten um, lucky with that, especially out here in the Bay Area. We've got you know a, a lot of decent film festivals, and I know uh, you know Randy's uh, you know he he's got his ear to the ground over there and is is keeping busy with any major stuff happening in Atlanta. I know the Plaza's doing shit all the time, and yeah, it's just good to sort of build that culture, and and you know if you can combine that together you know locally with film fest is great yeah and i think william now now that you're like kind of in on it you got to let other people know like casual movie fans because Mm. the horror community it's funny there's so many horror genre film festivals yet the like run-of-the-mill kind of casual fan they i think they're still infected by like the zeitgeist of Mm -hmm. film fest or for people who watch film not movies and it's kind of like this highbrow thing where it's very like, I don't know, stuffy. And it's like, no, <laughs> like if you go to a yeah. horror film, it's a fucking party. And I mean, honestly, the way I try to pitch it now is, you know, you might be at home watching a movie on Netflix and have fun, but you'll be like, fuck, I wish I watched this with people. And it's like, and especially if you're on Instagram trying to get like, I don't know, interesting content up there. It's like, go to a film fest, watch a movie before everybody else and go like meet like-minded people. So yeah, I'm, man. I'm so glad that you, you did it because Clark's right. It is daunting. And, you know, we do a, a film fest that's all found footage. And one of the first things you do is like, how much do you charge for a submission fee? Because fuck man, it's, you just made a goddamn movie and you tricked everybody into thinking you had a lot of money, but <laughs> you might not have $60 per submission which isn't even a guarantee that they're going to play it. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, thanks for taking the dive. How many, how many festivals did you submit to? We did, I think we did like 15, which isn't a lot. Um, yeah. But I, I started running out of money. I was like, I don't have any more money. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah for sure. I've already spent well, so I, much money. What was the highest submission fee? Ooh, I think it was like maybe 80 bucks. I could pull yeah, up my film uh, freeway. Maybe, maybe more than that. I'm trying to think. There was one that I ended up not doing. And I think it was like the Toronto film festival midnight section. And I think it was going to be like 115, something crazy like that. 
And I was like, that's ridiculous. But, you know, we played in London. We played at the Soho Horror Festival. That was $7 to submit. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. And then we got in and I was like, this is even more awesome. And like it played in Leicester Square, which I'm like, that's freaking crazy. That's huge. I mean, that's like playing at, you know, Times Square. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 That was seven bucks, which is great. I wish I could. Yeah. (laughs) American film festivals, we don't get any government support. So like in Europe and other countries, it's a lot lower entry fee. So mm-hmm. like for a film like yours, dude, get them. I mean, I hate to say it, but go to other countries. And definitely, I mean, you, you just got to be kind of choosy here in America. Mm-hmm. But dude, like you, you tap into one of these cultures out here and it could change everything. I mean, like Fantasia, every year people make a movie just for them. Like, it's not even like the pursuit of like a career or anything. It's just, they want to be in on that party. Yeah. So that was our number yeah. one. That was the one that I really wanted to get was Fantasia. It was like my top three were Fantasia, Fantastic and Beyond Fest. Um, and we didn't get any of those, which is totally fine. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, oh, those are the, those are the top three. I also really didn't, I mean, but you look at some of that stuff and it's interesting. Some of those movies clearly like multi-million dollar movies. Some of those oh, movies, yeah. not at all. It's just, I mean, the film festival, it's hard, man. It's just like the bright person has to watch your movie, but your movie also has to fit up with exactly what they're going for with their festival. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, what else did they get? Maybe this fits better than that. It like doesn't necessarily actually have to do with the quality of the film most of the time, I feel like. It's just like, they'd be like, oh, this doesn't quite fit what we're going for because our theme this year is, you know, whatever. Yeah, the 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 fucking thing. Oh, the fucking thing. Which, the, which Oh, I was just gonna yeah, say go the, the the fan uh fan was it Fantasia had Japan themed in uh 2021. And I was like, this is perfect. We got ramen. <laughs> we didn't get it. Yeah, I <laughs> Dude, I feel like your film would works perfectly well with Fantasia. We've seen hunks of shit at Fantasia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going well, on. Well, okay, William, I know we're running out of time here, but I... We I, gotta go see The Wolfman on 35mm. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> no, here's the thing. There, there are a couple things. I believe you know. It's an indie film, even though your movie looks anything but. Thank you. There are a couple things you nailed that indie films just can never get right. One... Uh, I think it's going to be obvious because of the beginning of this interview. Uh, the news anchor, my fucking God, a testament of an indie film is a, Good it's point. like, have you never seen the news before? Like they never read authentic. There's like a cadence and a look to a news anchor mm-hmm. and uh, you fucking nailed it. it. I mean, that's one of those things that we were watching. It's like, yeah, me and Clark have to acknowledge it. Like, yeah, he did it. Um, we're very critical on the news. Dude, I, it's not a joke. Like, y- the movie could be working, and then the TV will turn on, and you're like, okay, I'll forgive the weird green These screen. These are giant <laughs> Hollywood movies that fuck this shit up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. You yeah, know, I actually had, um, when I was writing the script, so my wife uh, also used to work in the news. That's how we met. Um, but she yeah. has a journalism major. Um, so I wrote it, and then I was like, hey, How's this sound? And she's like, they wouldn't say that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then she like rewrote it for me. And I was like, uh, that sounds weird, but all right. <laughs> I was like, well, let's, we'll go for it. Um, but I did say I, one of the first critiques I had of the script was like, 
the officer would never say his head just popped off. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but that's funny. That's cool. That's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the bit. And uh, uh, it worked. It's, yeah. a, it's a good one. Um, but the other thing I got to congratulate you on is navigating like CGI. Because it's not that your film has a ton of it in there, but you're doing some like digital effect. And uh, it's not distracting. Where a Good. lot of the time with the horror movie, that can that can tank it too. Like the movie, the the story can be engaging. The acting is all great, and then we get to a kill, and you're like, oh, off camera, and instantly you're bored. And uh, dude, you navigated around it. You you got good instincts with man. copious amounts of throw up. Heck yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. thanks, yeah, man. Uh, I, um, I was just going to say, I go ended up doing a bunch of those visual effects myself, um, just sitting there on After Effects, like, hmm, how can I do this? And like, figuring out. But you know what? If if any actual pro visual effects artist watched, you know, my, like, or looked at my project file, he'd be like, that's not, that's not how you do that at all. I'd be like, yeah, but it looks good. So you can't tell. But also, all the visual effects are really fast. And there's a reason behind that. Because <laughs> then, you know, if they're too slow, then they have to look really good. If they're fast and blurry, you're like, yeah, that works. <laughs> yep. Dude, there's um, some crime scene photos that uh, make an appearance in this film. And they're, they're like the perfect level of like dark and not centered where I kept thinking like, like as an audience member, I was trying to like absorb as much as I could whenever they were on screen. Yet in the back of my head, I'm like, there may be nothing in these photos. <laughs> Our uh, producer, Matt, made those in Photoshop. And so what we did is he made those the night before we shot that stuff. Um, so we were supposed to shoot crime scene photos after Jake's death. We forgot. So those are stills from the movie where I just sent them over to him. So, I mean, if you look at it, he just like Photoshops his head onto the ground and it's just like chilling there. And you're like, that ain't right. But it's cool. <laughs> and um, the stuff of the mom, we like shot that real quick. Um, and then he photoshopped that that night and then brought it in, printed them out. And then we threw them in the folder and we're like, perfect. And they look awesome. They look great. I mean, he did a really good job. That's the, that's the thing. I have super talented friends who can like make this stuff work. Um, so we got lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you got a consistent tone too. There's something about the way that you crafted this film that it's like with comedy, if jokes start becoming, Oh my God, like we talk so much about comedy now and you can be a well-written comic or you could be like charismatic and goofy. And I think if you blend those two in a movie and it's kind of like a little bit of goofy, a little bit of well-written, it doesn't work. You need kind of like one through line Mm -hmm. and your, your film has a voice that carried over into the craft too. Like it looks beautiful, but every now and then there's like, you'll see a crack but because of the tone you've given the movie, it feels deliberate and it's always played as like an upbeat joke. So those photos, even though I'm like, I wonder what is actually on them. I knew whatever it was would be hilarious. And, yeah. and, I, <laughs> and I assumed it would be by design, which mm-hmm. is not true with indie film. A lot of the time you're looking at a, a frame and you're like, did you not do any set design? Yet when I'm looking at your movie, I'm like, dude, that basement, as somebody who hung out in the basement and watched a lot of fantasy films in my uh, teen years, it read completely authentic to me. Party on. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I hung out in that basement a lot, too. Not that one, but a basement. <laughs> <I was> like, 
Well, dude, it shows. <laughs> good, good, good. All that, all that practice. Yeah, no, I mean, we tried to, we definitely had, and you know, one of the things to me that the movie I think is the best is like, we set out to make that movie and like, that's the movie that we make. Um, and it's very rare that like that happens. Like, but we knew we were going to make uh, a borderline like B movie. It was going to be silly, but things were going to work because like, uh, just the tone of the movie in general. And I tried with all the comedy, I made sure that while all the characters are doing things that are really stupid and they're acting really silly to them, it's completely serious. Like they're, this is how they would respond if they were real people. And I think that sort of stuff really helps because it like grounds it in a weird way where it can still be really weird, but it's kind of grounded. Um, and I, I just, I think it just helps make it feel more legit and like thread. Hundred percent, dude. You <laughs> know, <laughs> William. I don't think you give yourself enough credit because it's not that you have like silly characters. They're unlikable. They're not like chill dudes. Yet, comedy's an incredible tool because they're funny. And the, you know, they. What are you talking? It's a stoner comedy. Of course, they're no, but, chill dudes. No, no. Because <laughs> I, I thought a lot about this. It's almost like the Beavis and Butthead effect, where like if you knew those dudes in real life, you would not think they were like cool and fun to hang out with. There's oh, a reason no. they don't have any friends. And these two, it's the same thing, except you root for them the whole movie. And I, I kind of stay away from these type of comedies because I normally don't. So, dude, it, it works, man. I, uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Randy brought you to us. Awesome. So thank you, Randy. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. Glad we uh, were able to do this. Yeah, man. To uh, hang out IRL or see a movie sometime. Whoa, Dude, yeah. okay. Let's do it. Dude, William, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was going to turn into a weird date thing with Randy. <laughs> didn't tell us that. Yeah, this, is actually, yeah, this, is the, this is our first date. This is what this was. You guys are just here. <laughs> <laughs> For buffer. <laughs> All right. Well, Randy, I approve. You have my blessing. Thank you, sir. Love it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, William, before we catch you loose, uh, tell us again when the film comes out, how we can watch said film, how people can uh, look at your social medias and all those accoutrements. Oh, yeah. Well, so the movie is going to be available on demand. You can rent it from our website, murderpodcastmovie.com. Um, you can rent that starting October 26th. And then hopefully we're going to be popping up on a bunch of streamers here in the next couple of months. Um, but that's all. that part's all kind of up in the air as to when that's going to happen. Uh, but it will happen soon. But if you want to watch it now, if you want to watch it for Halloween, you can go rent it from our website on October 26th. And then you can find me on the internet. You know, you can just type in William Bagley. And actually, there's an educator named William Bagley. So you won't find me. You have to type in William Bagley director and then you might find me. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there's a dude who like you know taught a bunch of school, and he's famous for some reason. He's taking up all my credit. You got to close his loop, dude. I'm working on it. It's going real slow though. (laughs) Yeah, Clark's got one of those too. He's got another Clark Little who's we're not talking about that guy. Surf photographer who's got like millions of fans. Yeah, (laughs) he had a documentary about himself with Eddie Vedder in it. Oh man, it's all right, Andrew McDermott. Andrew McDermott, our lead, has another Andrew McDermott who's an actor who's been in more stuff. So you like type in Andrew McDermott and it's the other guy. And you're like, no. <laughs> Damn. Damn, that's yeah. actually a bummer. <laughs> We're going to change that. Don't worry. Nope. It's going to change. <laughs> Once the murder podcast blows up, hopefully. <laughs> Thanks, William. Heck yeah. Thanks, guys. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.